every person online. Lord, our needs are not just a few. There's so many things taking place in our world, so many things taking place in our lives. And you understand them. You understand what we so often do not understand. And you're a God who navigates perfectly. You never make a mistake. You always lead us in in triumph. You always lead us towards that which you have. You work it all for good. We believe that and yet ask for it now, that you would reign over our lives, you would reign over the situations that are around in us, in in our lives, and that you would lead us to the things that you have, that your presence would draw us to all that you would have for us. God, I ask for that in just really significant ways. And your help, your touch, your encouragement, your rescue, Lord, would you do more than we could even imagine? Would you do above all that we could ask or think, as you say in your word? We ask for that right now as we just trust our lives to you. We do so together in Jesus's precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, grab hold of a Bible and make your way to the Gospel of Luke. Tonight, we're going to be in Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. If you need a Bible here in the church, you have the Bibles and the chairs in front of you, page number there. If you're joining us online in the back, hopefully you got a Bible or open it up electronically. Hey, that works. We just want you to be there with us. We invite you to spend some time with us in the Word of God as tonight we're in Luke 24. Wednesday nights, we've been working through the Bible and Larger chunks, usually a chapter, sometimes half a chapter. It is so this time, and tonight we get to the end. Tonight we finish our journey through Luke's gospel. We've been journeying through it for a little while and excited just to be able to kind of pull this, this to a close. Next week we'll jump back into the Old Testament. We'll begin in Proverbs on, on Wednesday, so that'll be fun and exciting. But tonight we're here in, in the gospel of Luke getting to kind of finish up this study and so longing that God would meet us and draw us to what he has. So let's do what we often do. I'm going to take just a quick moment. I'm going to lead in prayer, but I hope you would pray as well that you would ask that God would take his word and make it connect with you, that there would be an honest place where we hear from him tonight and we would know what he would have for us. Let's just ask him for that. Would you join me right now in prayer? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. I think about Jesus, what you said. You said, if we would know your truth, the truth would set us free. God, we need that. Uh, We need you to help us to know it. Would you open up our understanding? Would you help our ability to, to, to see the things before us just grow? Would you help us to comprehend and put it together and connect it, but connect it into our lives? Would you do that work here tonight in a way that I could never do? That by your spirit, would you take us and lead us and show us what you have for us? God, help. We ask for that right now as we just thank you for this gathering. Give us hearts to be able to receive what you have for us. We ask for it together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Luke chapter 24. I want to hold before you a thought as we begin, and it is a thought of the picture and the power of God's people gathering together. Now, I want to tell you, as we kind of conclude Luke's gospel, I think there's a definite really cool pictures that find itself here there as we gaze at it, but I also feel like I probably ought to be completely honest. You know, I know that in part of this, that's where my mind is. Uh, My mind is right now thinking about the wonder and the power and the place of God's people gathering together. Obviously, we complete this little COVID warning thing, and we move back into gathering together as a church. My mind is kind of there. 
on top of it in the midst of a really weird, you know, 15, 16 months where so many have been disconnected, I found myself often concerned and praying. So I just want to be, I just want to own it. I just want to say, well, you know, there is a possibility that, you know, that I'm looking at this in that kind of very just clear perspective. I still think it's a, a word from God in the midst of it, but at the same moment, just kind of owning that perspective as we gaze into it. But as we gaze into it, I want to hold before you, hear what's in Luke 24. But even just that familiar passage that speaks about this, one that so many of you guys know well there in Hebrews, where it simply gives it to us this way. It says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. That familiar line in the midst of this is that place where he says, here's what I'm calling you to do, not to forsake this assembling of ourselves together, not to, to make that something that you don't dive into. And he says, it's going to be the manner of some. I mean, it is the, the practice of some in the midst of that. And it would seem to be here in Hebrews that it lets us know in the last days that both our need is great, but maybe the propensity of God's people would be to be neglecting that. As he says, hey, we need to exhort one another and so much more as we see the day approaching. I find myself just thinking about that and thinking about where we are. Thinking about, you know, what's taking place in our church, but even the church, uh, you know, right now. And I want to hold before us the value uh, of gathering. I want to hold us to the, the value of what that is and even what we see in the midst of this. And so, hey, again, just very clearly wanting to encourage I'm speaking to you guys who are joining us online right now, and first of all, we're so glad for technology. We're so glad because it does enable us to connect where some of you couldn't gather, where either there's physical concerns, and hey, we're not in any way dismissing those. But what we are just pointing out is that there's, there's something, maybe even just that Satan would work in the midst of this season, that would disconnect God's people from gathering together as God's people. And to that, we want to speak both clearly and powerfully, but also invitingly. Just saying, we want to just draw you into a space, and so hopefully God would just speak to us in the midst of this. And so with that, let's join our section where we left off last week. Would you go with me to verse 33? Verse 33, which is the last verse that we covered last week, it says, So they, and these are the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. You know, it's kind of an interesting picture. I mean, we're kind of in this last little picture of Luke's gospel, this picture of the disciples that's moving into that moment, and we have this time where they're gathering together, and again, I just like it. You know, it says right there in verse 33, those who are gathered together with them. It's the 11, that is the disciples, which would have been the 12, but now minus Judas. It's others that are gathered. We know the women were with them, and it seems to be another group. When we get into Acts, uh, we look back at this, and it tells us there's about 120 of them. Uh, that are gathering together in this kind of space. And so it's very possible up to that is in the midst of this, but they're gathered. I mean, they're kind of gathering together. They're, they're walking in the midst of this, and they just begin to share. Uh, they, these two disciples on the road to Emmaus show up, and it says they, they just begin to share, and it says in verse 34 that the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. 
Hey, this is resurrection day. This is the day that Jesus rose. And they're just beginning to figure it out. They're just beginning to, to understand it. And so they're telling the accounts of how that worked. And it lets us know they begin to talk about how Jesus had appeared to Simon, to Simon Peter. Now, we know that he did, but it's worth quickly noting that specific encounter is never recorded for us in Scripture. Uh, we know about it. You know, Mark's gospel tells us that when the angel speaks to the women at the, at, at the tomb, they say, go tell his disciples and Peter <laughs> that he's going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him, as he said to you. I mean, he's very clearly in the midst of it, he says, hey, go tell all of them, but tell Peter specifically. I'm going to meet with them. I mean, I just, I, I'm going I'm to go there and do that. When Paul recounts it for us in Corinthians, he lets us know again there was a specific encounter. He talks about how Jesus was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and he was seen by Cephas, which is another name for Peter, then by the twelve, which we're going to get into in, in, in the later part of this. And so there's an encounter that happens with Jesus and Peter that's not recorded for us in Scripture, which is all by itself kind of fascinating. I mean, God obviously could have recorded it, but it lets us know that there's many things that were happening that weren't recorded. But somehow they're sharing it here. I mean, they show up, and the two disciples of Emmaus show up in this crowd, and they're talking like, hey, Peter saw Jesus. I mean, he's alive. He's risen from the grave. And so now the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, they share their story as well. In verse 35, and they, again, these two disciples, told about the things that had happened on the road. And now he was known to them in the breaking of bread, which is what we talked about last week, and an incredible story of these two guys. But here's just kind of, I just want you to feel it for a moment. I mean, there's just this sense that they're sharing together, they're walking in these things, they're talking about the things that God had done in them. And I just want to say, that's part of the point of gathering. That's part of the point of gathering, that there's power. There's encouragement as we share life, our spiritual lives together. There's a meant to be a place where that is. In fact, let's go back to that verse for a moment. There in Hebrews, in this familiar verse, it says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. God tells us, you know, here's this place that we're not to neglect the gathering together of God's people, but specifically in this, he says, I want you to think about each other. I want you to think about each other, and I want you to encourage one another. Now, there's, there's just something powerful in this reality that I'm telling you right now, as much as I'm glad for technology, as much as I'm glad that for some of you, you're able to stream with us, this can't happen through streaming. This doesn't happen. We don't get to have that sharing together. We don't get to have that space where we connect with you. This place of being able to, to look on other people and think about them, it doesn't happen in the same way. Again, there's a space for this, but never to replace the gathering of God's people. But let's also be clear. Just showing up at church doesn't mean you're actually doing this. I mean, like, if you're here in this room, don't be like, yeah, you tell them, Jim. You go get those guys that, that won't show up for church. It doesn't actually mean we're doing this if we just show up in the building. Because you can show up here and think about yourself from beginning to end and, and, and come in, you know, and not really talk to anybody and leave and not really talk to anybody, and you haven't done what this has said. Because it's calling us to a connection. It's calling us to a place that we gather together as God's people, and we think about each other, and we think, how can I encourage somebody? 
How, how can I, what can I do? What, what's going on in your life that I can encourage you? What's happening that I could pray for you? That's supposed to be what's happening. And here's my prayer. My prayer is both this last two weeks for us as a church, but even more, this last 15 months for COVID that has kept so many people disconnected, I hope we return with a passion. I, I hope that instead of this doing what some say is happening, uh, there's a whole bunch of people who study the church right now and say, hey, you know, the makeup of the church has changed. I mean, people are going to be disconnected. There's a, there's, you know, a huge section of the church that is never going to come back. They're going to be online now forever, and they'll never be a part of that. I hope they're wrong. But I hope more than that, not only do we come back, but we come back valuing relationships and say, you know, it, it is, it's, it's bad for me. It's bad for me not to be able to talk to some other people, and, 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 and I should value that so that when I do come, I'm actually seeking to do that, that I'm sharing my life with other people, and I'm entering into what they're going through. That there's a place where he's calling us to be where we don't just show up, but the kind of thing that you know, as you gather together, as we gather together, we shouldn't honestly be able to leave until we can say, hey, I hope I, I'm praying for somebody. I know something that's happening in somebody else's life, uh, you know, where if you, if you just wanted to pursue this in the most simple way, hey, try to ask, like at any, you know, every time you gather together, ask somebody, hey, can I pray for you? What's happening in your life that I could pray for you? What's going on for you right now that if I'm thinking about you, I could remember? Hey, that's a, that should be one of the most common questions as we gather together as God's people. Because we should honestly be thinking, I wanna, I wanna encourage other people. I wanna be a part of the body of Christ. And there's something that happens in the midst of that. And so for me, it's this powerful picture that as Jesus is meeting with the disciples, that's the environment. There's this environment where they're talking, where they're sharing, where they're sharing their story, when they're sharing the stories of, of, of seeing Jesus, where they're encouraging one another in some powerful ways. And, and I love that reality. It's certainly meant to be part of what we're doing. Well, in the midst of that, the most amazing thing happens. Jesus shows up. I mean, he shows up right in the middle of their gathering. Hey, just notice it with me beginning in verse 36. Now, as they said these things, so everybody's kind of talking, sharing their stories, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace to you, which is comforting because probably freaked them out. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself, handle me and see, that for, see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, have you any food here? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate in their presence. Wow. You just got to watch this for a moment, this whole amazing interchange that's taking place. And part of it is a really just important reality that Jesus really did rise. I mean, he rose physically. He, his body, you know, he gained a new body and his, his body coming together. I mean, there's a physical thing. It wasn't just a spiritual thing. It wasn't just, you know, at that moment, they're like, well, maybe he's just a ghost or maybe he's just a spirit. It's like, no, I, got, I have, look, I've actually risen from the grave. And there's a whole lot that is behind this that just reminds us that this was a real resurrection. 
And that's powerful, so much so that Corinthians tells us that if Jesus didn't rise, we wouldn't rise, because he rose, we'll rise. And, and there's a whole lot that's just fun to watch this whole story, to watch just the way that Jesus says, hey, look at it, touch me, feel me. And then he's even just like, he eats a you know, meal right there with them so that they can all of this for them in that sense to give them encouragement, to help them see. And again, I just like it, overcome their doubts. Again, I like the way it says it, where he just calls it out. And he says it there in verse 38, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your heart? Like, why is that? And, and so Jesus addresses those, proves, shows them that he really is alive. And again, I love just even the, the, the kind of emotional part of it there in verse 41, where it says, where they, did not, they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, have you any food here? I mean, they're like still there. And in one sense, Jesus is right there. And they, it's, it's almost that place of, this feels too good to be true. Could it actually be? They're so excited but Jesus proves it yet further. You know, he eats there and through all of this, proves to them, shows them that the resurrection was real. Now that's powerful and again, maybe helpful, maybe something that you're needing to catch in the midst of this. But at the same moment, I want you just to see that I love that it's Jesus. I mean, Jesus is showing up right there and I love the way it words it, that, that while they're gathered, while they're there sharing, it just says in verse 36, that Jesus himself stood in the midst of them. And I just want to kind of point out, because we're kind of gazing at this through the idea of gathering, that there's something about the gathering as God's people. There's a sense of, of just enjoying Christ in our midst. Now, I say this clearly and carefully. It's not literal for us, and I think that's probably known, but Peter even tells us this in 1 Peter, that we haven't seen him. We don't see him but we have a joy unspeakable and full of glory as we kind of just know the presence of Christ in our midst. There's something powerful about it. I think about one of those just familiar verses where Jesus would address this, and he says in Matthew 18, for where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Now, just to be clear, this is a, a text that is dealing with church discipline. It's talking about authority, and so there's definitely some weights that are found in that. Nevertheless, it still becomes this interesting reality that something happens when God's people are together, that there is something uh, of just where, 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 where as we gather, whether it be in a home fellowship or whether it be at church, as you join with God's people, there's something powerful in that reality. And I think that's powerful even in this moment to say that. In fact, it's one of those places where when that happens, church is really where it ought to be. Now, again, I can't, qualify this. I can't put it into words, but there is a space. Uh, I think about it, and if I had lots of time, I'd read you some long quotes from Charles Spurgeon, because he used to talk about this a lot. He, he said, you know, there's an interesting space where people come into a church, and, and sometimes when you're gathering, you're, you're focused on what's being said, or who's the preacher that's speaking that evening, or the songs that are being said, but when church really becomes church, sometimes that all just slips into the background. And pretty soon, it's just Jesus. It's just you're, you're, you're focused on him, you're drawing near to him, and, and somehow when you leave that place, it's no longer, you know, well, you know, so-and-so said this, I thought it was kind of interesting. It's like, man, I just experienced Christ. I mean, I was, there's just something powerful, and, and that's what we're longing for. I mean, that's church done the way it ought to be done. That's what we're always aiming for, and I think I'm gonna tell you, hey, it's probably not always that way, sometimes because church, sometimes because of us, but I'll tell you this, it's what's found there. 
There's something that you, you, you don't get this going to the movies, you don't get this, you know, playing video games. I mean, there's something about gathering with God's people in a place of, of worship and seeking Him where there's a presence of Christ that's sometimes almost tangible. I love, again, the way Peter would say it, that it's, it's full of glory. It's this place of being there, and it's what we long for. And it's the value in that that is so powerful, and I just want to tell you it's one of the things that should make the gathering of God's people a desire for us, that we think, hey, I long to gather with God's people, you know, both to share in life together, but to see Jesus. I mean, just to, to have His presence just be the thing that catches our attention. Well, again, that's what happens here, and again, Jesus shows up in their midst, and I think, again, it's a powerful reality. Well, at that moment, he takes it in verse 44, he says it this way. Then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was with you. Then all things must be fulfilled that were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. So we're watching this gathering, and this gathering, again, for me, becomes this picture of the point of gathering, and we find the Scriptures open. Now, it's a little bit fun to kind of watch it, because there is a little bit that you almost have to read this, because it's as if Jesus almost begins this by saying, I told you so. Like, like I told you this was going to be happening, and this is what I told you when I was with you, you just weren't listening, which is true. Uh, and there, but it's a, it's a lovingly just way it's said. But he's just like, these are the words I spoke to you. I like, I told you this before this happened, you should have believed. But then he reminds them that everything that happens fulfilled what was everything was in the scriptures. He says it must be fulfilled which was in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. And that's really a reference to the entire Old Testament scriptures, just the breakouts uh, that would be a part of that. But he just points out that all of that was pointing to him. We talked about that some last week, but I love that it's there. But then one of my favorite verses is what he does with that. Again, in verse 45, it says, and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. So something dynamic is happening at this moment, something spiritual, something that these guys who have been with Jesus is happening. He takes it so that their ability to comprehend is actually just heightened. I mean, their understanding is opened, and there's a spiritual work that's happening here that you have to understand is that. It's what we pray for every week, and so we pray for every week. We just did it a few moments ago about heading into the study. We said, we're going to pray. We're going to ask that, you know, God would open our minds, that we would be able to understand what He's wanting to give to us, and there's something happening where Jesus is doing this here, where He's doing a work where they're able to just see it more. He opens up their understanding that they're able to comprehend it. Comprehend is a really fun word that has the idea of connecting it, um, putting it together. Sometimes that's the idea that the whole thing just comes together, that we you know, that we begin to see it. We begin to see how the, the point that we're seeing there connects all the way over the Scripture, and, and somehow there's a, a, an ability to see just the whole thing. It's, in fact, one of the ways that makes Bible study really fun. When you really begin to see a verse, you can see how, oh, I can see how this goes here, and it's here, and wow, this is really cool, and, and you're able to see that truth in the midst of the entire truth. But there's also the, the idea of comprehending, which has the idea of, of making a connection, of putting it together, and again, for me, that's not just, you know, knowledge, it's personal connection. 
that we're able to connect it into our lives. And once more, you guys should be aware of this. We do this every week. That's exactly what we pray for pretty much every time we dive into the Word of God. It's like, God, help us to understand, and we'll pray somewhere in the midst of it. Help it to connect. (laughs) Help us to get it. Help us to understand what you're saying. Help it to connect to our lives where all of a sudden we're going, I get it. (laughs) Like, that's exactly what the Holy Spirit is saying to me, that there's a connecting the dots uh, between where we are and what we're going through and what's taking place in the Scriptures, and that's exactly what Jesus does from there. I mean, it's an amazing thing, and it's an amazing reality that is worth, again, just our understanding. Now, again, since we're talking about the gathering of God's people, let's just be clear. Hey, this can happen. I think this does happen. Uh, with those who stream with us online, and, and we're always hoping for that, hoping that you would join us in the Word of God, and we invite you also to pray every time that God would connect with you. I think it can happen. I still think there's something powerful about being in the middle of God's people, that in the midst of it, God doing it together, there's some dynamic that's fun to be a part of it, but again, I just want to own the fact that, hey, this really can be something that powerfully happens in the midst of streaming, but here's where I want you to think this through with me as clear as you can. For me, in the list of things that we're going to talk about tonight, for those who are streaming, this is pretty much the main thing that you get out of streaming a service. You get a place where you get to do a Bible study, where you get to understand it. And I know, I've talked to some of you like, man, it's so cool. I can pause it and make notes, and then I can resume it. I just love that whole fact. And it's like, well, I understand. I understand. But the gathering of God's people is more than this. It is this. It is a place where we need God's Word connecting into our lives. God's Word is so important. It's a place where, again, Jesus would say, if we know the truth, it would set us free. And and so certainly that's a key part of gathering together. And again, I'm just speaking to you guys who are streaming online right now, and you're thinking, well, Jim, I I get it. That's, That's why we tune in, and that's good. But it is more than this. It is more than this. And the danger is that if streaming becomes the way you connect with God's people, if it becomes convenient and easy, and you're like, man, it's just so much fun sitting on my living room couch and, and, and being able to pause it, and, and it's just so cool. But then this will be all that church is for you, and you will be missing so much of what it means to be God's people, so much of what it means to be a part of it. You know, this is important. And again, we are obviously valuing the Word of God, but it, the gathering of God's people is more. So let's go back to it. So we're watching the gathering of God's people. We're seeing they're sharing life together. There's a sense of Jesus' presence that's taking place in the midst of this. But then something more happens. It tells us in verse 46, he says, Thus is written, and, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So at this moment, we really get what's known as the Great Commission, a place where Jesus begins to speak to the disciples, and it's an important moment. It's an important moment in time. It's an important moment in the ministry of Christ. It's an important one for us to understand. All four Gospels focus on this. You find it worded differently in each Gospel, which is kind of fun in and of itself. But the essence of it is found at all four Gospels as they get to the end of this, as Jesus rises from the grave, it's as if he looks at the disciples and he gives them instruction. He gives them what we know as the Great Commission, that is our mandate to go into all the world, that that our mandate that's upon all that we have. And he just tells us, 
as he, as he's speaking to them and opening up the scriptures, he says in verse 46, thus it was written and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day. So he's opening up the Bible to him. He says, hey, this had to happen. Jesus had to die. He had to rise. And, verse 47, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations. He says it's necessary. This needs to happen. This great commission isn't an optional part of it. It isn't an extra part. It says you, we, we are those who are meant to take the good news of Jesus to the entire world. In fact, he just says it to the disciples. It says in verse 48, it says, And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Okay, let's just put it together to make sure we get it. This was a, a moment where things were changing, a moment where Jesus is leaving. He's giving them the Great Commission. The power of the Holy Spirit hasn't yet descended. That's going to take place at Pentecost. And so he speaks that to him. He says, hey, this is your instruction, but you need help. <laughs> you, you're going to need power, and that's going to happen at Pentecost. We get that familiar verse in Acts 1 where it just tells us, and Jesus speaks to them. He says, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. So here's what's going to happen. When the Holy Spirit comes, he'll be the one that will help you do that. And that promise of power can just, is, is still for us today. We're no longer waiting for Pentecost. Pentecost has happened, but it's there. It's this space where we recognize, hey, that's what we're supposed to do. Like we're here in part to show people about Jesus that that ought to be a part of our reality and, and, and we need help in that and that's the power of the Spirit. And we've talked much about that in times past. We did so just a couple weeks ago on Sunday morning, so I'm not gonna spend much more time on that. When we talked about the power of the Holy Spirit, you could think about that or get that if you need it but I just want you to feel it right now. And I want you to feel it in the midst of, of just the idea of the gathering of God's people. See, I really believe that gathering is always meant to reinforce this. Now, let's just be honest. It probably doesn't always work that way, but it should. It, it should. In other words, every time we gather together as God's people, it should be a place where we're gathering together to get life to, to be encouraged and built up so that we can walk out of here and take the gospel. That some ways, you can almost think about this like the circulatory system. I mean, it's as if, you know, where, where the blood's moving through the body and it comes into the place where, where the lungs are breathing in air and, and you come in to get refreshed and then it goes out to the whole body to take that. That there's a sense that church or, or the gathering of God's people should always be that. That it's meant to be a place where what is happening is God's people are being encouraged and empowered to go out. You know, I, I, I just think about that reality, and it, it's often something that I'll pray for on a Sunday or a Wednesday when we're doing this, and so it's just a concept I even have. I know some churches even have it, you know, kind of on the outside of the doors. Who knows, maybe one of these days we'll add that, you know, like go out onto all the world. It's like, okay, you've come here, you've come into the space to be encouraged, but it's not like, okay, we're going to leave and walk out those doors so that we can just, you know, survive to the next time we gather together. It should be the gathering of God's people builds us up so that we leave saying, God, help me to take this out. Let me, let me, be, let me take this into everything, every place you'd have me to go. And that's always the way it's supposed to work. 
that some have said it, you know, in one sense, church is like the, the salt shaker, you know, like the salt comes together to encourage, and then we go out to, to, to dis, just disseminate that to everything in the world, and I think there's something about understanding that, that there's something about understanding that that's part of the point of the gathering of the church. It's not that we don't long for people to get saved. We certainly do. Not that we don't preach the gospel at church. We do. But it's an interesting thing that when Paul would talk about it in Ephesians 4, that he'd say, you know, the gathering of God's people is to empower God's people so that we could, so he talks about how that each person would figure out who they are and they'd go out to make a difference. That there is a sense that part of the point is to do that. Now, Again, maybe that works for you. Maybe you understand it, but I, I want to just take that and just try to apply that a little bit more. Sometimes, in our generation uh, specifically, church has become the end instead of the means. That sometimes the idea is, hey, if I can just get my neighbors to church, you know, if I can just get these people to church, that, then the church will fix it. You know, like, like that, that's the whole goal, you know, to do that. And again, please don't get me wrong, bring them. I mean, bring anybody you have. We hope they hear the gospel. We hope that we, we hear part of it. But there's a little bit in that that almost begins to move us to a... Um, it's not my job kind of responsibility. It's like, hey, I get them to church and then they get to fix them. Instead of understanding that's not the way this is actually supposed to work. The way this is actually supposed to work is that the, the point of gathering together as God's people is so that we be built up and then we'd say, hey God, help me to take the gospel to, the, to, to everywhere. Let me be a witness to the end of the world. Help me to show people Jesus, you know, so that my life becomes, you know, the, the thing that's being fueled by this to, to go forward, that's part of the point of that. And that's part of the point of gathering because if you're like most of us, there's a recognition that, that we so often need that. D.L. Moody, you know, once was trying to explain this uh, to, to some people and, you know, the, the, the point of the, of the power of gathering together to, to be the light. And they're like, but, you know, we just got to go share the gospel. You know, we, we ought to be going. And I don't know, coming together as church. And, and they happened to be, I, I think, you know, had a, on a campfire or Maybe he just talked about it. I can't remember the entire story. But he simply just kind of began to point out. He says, you know, if you have a campfire and you have, you know, rocks that are around there, you know, they just, they, they begin to kind of absorb that. And, and there's a, you know, they, there's a glow, there's, or, or even embers within the fire. It, it becomes something where those are just built up. But if you separate that, if you move the rock or you take the ember out of the fire, he says in the moment, I mean, it just, all of a sudden it begins to cool and find itself, you know, just, less and less light. He says that's how it works in our lives. That part of the point of gathering together as God's people is so that we can be kind of stoked up and we can find our hearts encouraged and built up so that we could go be light. And, and, and we need to go be light. We need, you know, to, to leave the gathering of God's people and take the light to the end of the world. But the problem is almost as soon as we walk out, it's just the world begins to pull us and darken us and deaden us. And he says the point of gathering together is so that that would be encouraged. And I love watching this. I think that's a definitely a, a part of what's taking place, a, a sense that we are to be a part of those who are, are wanting that to happen. In fact, let's go back to that verse for a moment that's kind of one of our key verses tonight in Hebrews 10. It says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. So I want you to think about each other so you can encourage them. I want to encourage somebody to walk in love. 
and, and be the person that they're supposed to be. They could walk in good works, which Jesus told us. He says, you're the light of the world. You're, you're the only ones that people get to see God, the, you know, the gospel says, go out and shine your light in this world so that people would see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I mean, we're made for that. But part of what's supposed to be happening here in church is we're encouraging people in that. Like we're seeing things in them and saying, hey, I believe in you. I believe in who you are. I believe in what you can do. We're encouraging them to walk in love, which Jesus said that's how the world would know we're his. He says the world would know we're his disciples by the love we have for each other. In other words, there ought to be a sense that part of what's happening here is we're encouraging each other to go out and shine out there that there ought to be a sense of that. In fact, again, he's telling us, I want you to think about each other. Like, I want you to look for somebody to encourage and encourage them, hey, you can make a difference. I mean, you, you, you can, you are, you should be a part of that. So there's this idea of the gathering of God's people. It becomes even this where we're considering and encouraging each other to walk in the Great Commission, to be representatives of Jesus in this world. That's why it's so needed. That's a part of who we are. It's a piece of, of everything that's happening, of, of the gathering of God's people, the gathering that's taking place even in this space right before Jesus leaves. All right, so we, we've been watching it. There's this sharing of life together. There's this Jesus' presence. They're studying the scriptures. They've been commissioned, and then something pretty unique happens. It tells us there, in verse 15, he says, he led them out as far as uh, Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. This is Jesus' ascension. This is the place where he leaves. And there's much we could say here, but I just want to quickly point out that in some ways, you know, there's a, there's a powerful reality of recognizing just the transition that's happened. Now, we've already talked about it a little bit, but just pointing it out. Jesus has lived his life for 33 and a half years. He's done ministry for the last three and a half representing them. In the midst of that, he's raised up his disciples. He started, you know, kind of the movement that is the church, and now he's leaving. This is the moment where he ascends, and, and, and no longer physically here, leaving us in that sense. It really becomes really part of the kind of calling of the Great Commission that we've just talked about. It becomes that place where because Jesus is leaving, he's saying, I'm leaving you guys here, you know, to make a difference, and there's much that's taking place in this. There's a lot of weight in the ascension. I mean, Jesus' ascension also guarantees ours. It tells us in Acts that when the disciples are watching, they says, hey, the same way you saw Jesus, he's going to come back and, and, and take you guys with him, and there's going to be a joy in watching all of that. But here we're just kind of watching this whole thing and, and, and seeing what's taking place. But one of the interesting things that I found myself just thinking about is just the way it words it. Notice with me again how he says it. Verse 50 says, And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands, and he blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them, that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. He ascends into the clouds, and yet... One of the things that's just interesting is that Luke says it twice. He blessed them. There was a sense that right here was meant to be a blessing. Right here was, was meant to be a place that this is that blessing upon them. And again, I could spend a whole long time on this and maybe it would be helpful, but maybe it would be confusing. I just want to say that blessing extends to us here. That Jesus' ascension, his ascended place is a blessing to us right now. That he is the one that ascended uh, to the right hand of God the Father. It, it was a blessing then. It's a blessing now. 
for so many reasons. Jesus told the disciples, if I don't leave, I, I can't send the Holy Spirit. It's a blessing. It's a blessing because he ascended to the right hand of the Father to become the great high priest for us, who tells us in Hebrews that he's at the right hand of God ever interceding for us, that that becomes really the power of everything that we are, this gathering of God's people, this, this people are, that, are now empowered because of this, we're blessed by this. There's a sense that we come and celebrate Jesus who, who died, rose, and ascended and that becomes a key part of who we are. That part of what we're, we're thinking about is this place that where you and I stand today, where we sit as a part of God's people and this generation become those who, again, that becomes a place that rolls out of that blessing. Again, probably th- some cool theological thoughts, but I just give it to you briefly. And then we catch the final glimpse that we get there in verse 52 and 53. And they worshiped him. And they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. So Luke's gospel pulls to a close. I mean, watch this gathering of God's people, which again for me becomes a picture that carries like this is who we are meant to be in this world. But somehow as it ends, there's this amazing picture of worship. There's this amazing picture of joy. In fact, I love the way it just words it. I mean, we watch that, we watch what's taking place, we watch the way that it works, and I love just the four different words that he uses to kind of reinforce this reality. Notice them. Verse 52, and they worshiped him, and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. I mean, you get it, right? I mean, here they are, they worship, there's joy, they're praising, they're blessing. I mean, there's something that's overflowing out of this that they become a people that are, are just so just rejoicing in who God is and, and, and longing to be a part of that. And just together in that place, they, they, they do that, they do that in the gathering, even in the temple. There's a place of, of worship that is powerful in the midst of that and and walking in the midst of that. And I just want to say it this way. Hey, we think about the gathering of God's people, and that's a part of it. I mean, I love that this ends this way. I love that the the gospel ends this way, and I think it should be a part of who we are. But again, just kind of thinking about it as the gathering of God's people, it's one of the great realities of the gathering of God's people. Now, I, I don't know where this is with you. There's a lot of danger in quickly speaking about this, partly because people can be in different places. Sadly, for some, worship has become very opinionated. Some have become very, like, is it for me, and do I enjoy it? But there's something powerful about gathering and worshiping with God's people. I hope you experience it. And again, I'm so glad you guys can join us online. I'm not saying that you can't worship God online. I hope you do. We always invite you to, but I know this. I know that for some of you, it's hard to do that, but I'm just telling you there's something about worshiping with God's people. And I, and I want to find words to say it. I just don't know how to say it. I know what it feels like. I know what it, you know, just that, that idea when you gather and you're, and you're with God's people and you're worshiping and you hear the voices around you and there's something about just connecting into that. There's a dynamic that's, that's just like nothing else. I love doing that in small groups. I love doing that in big groups. I love, you know, being a part of something where that's happening and there's some cool part of it that reminds us that that's who we are, that there's something happening. And one more time, I just want to say it. Hey, that's part of the point of the gathering of God's people, that we would be those who know this and walk in this and have that worship. That said, I don't want to limit kind of the close of the gospel to that because, again, there's just something powerful about the the way the gospel of Luke ends that calls us to be those who have this. 
who calls us to be those who recognize we have the best news in the whole world. Jesus came, lived his life, died on the cross, rose from the grave, ascended. That's enough to give us joy. That's enough to be excited about. That's enough that we should be that way. And if you're like me, sometimes I look on that and think, I should be so much more excited. I mean, I want people to see that in me. I want them to see the joy that I have. I want them to, to know that there's hope and there's peace. And, and there, I love that it ends that way. And I long that that would be who we would be. That God would call us to be a people that are known by that. And again, I love the way it ends. And again, just saying in many ways, I long that that would be a definition for us. Okay. So we've walked through this. We've walked through this, this final end of the, of the Gospel of Luke. We've seen it, and I've definitely talked about it throughout it, and I just want to come back to it and say it one more time. There's something beautiful here. There's something beautiful about the way the Gospel of Luke ends that lets us know as you watch the gathering of God's people, you watch what's happening in the midst of that and how that's supposed to carry on, and I believe it's still carrying on, and there's something right now that I want to just encourage and tell us, I long that you would be a person that understands the importance and understands the, the value of gathering together as God's people. Now, I'm wanting to say this again very, very clearly and very, very carefully. I know right now there's probably some of you that are joining us, and again, for physical reasons. Maybe you find yourself, again, in the midst of the COVID world, just not quite ready to come back. Please, please, please do not hear condemnation. Don't hear me being accusatory. I'm not. I recognize that there's value in this gathering and this ability to stream, and for some of you, it's needed and necessary. But I'm speaking to those that it's not. I'm speaking to those that it's become convenient. I'm speaking to those that have come to find themselves thinking, hey, this is a pretty good way to do church, you know? I mean, I just, you know, I can, I can be, you know, I can sit here on my couch, I can be done, I don't have to travel, I don't have to talk to people, I don't have to, to do a lot of those things, and I'm just telling you, the real danger is if this becomes church for any section of God's people out of this COVID world, then we've lost something tremendous, because streaming can never replace the gathering together of God's people. Streaming can never replace what's meant to happen when we gather. Streaming can never do that, and there's something about understanding the value of it. Again, I go back to that verse that we started with and we pointed out throughout the verse, uh, throughout our study tonight. It says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. He gives us that warning. He says, don't do it. Don't be one that forsakes the gathering together of God's people. He says it was already happening. He says there are some people that are already doing that, that are already trying to do life on their own and not do it with God's people. But again, it just seems to give us this warning. He says, like, as the day approaches, you're going to have to be more intentional about this. And it's an interesting thing because for me, you know, kind of thinking through this COVID world in the last 15 months, it's never become more apparent that this is a serious issue, that we literally have folks that this is what they've decided. Hey, it's just, I don't, I don't need to gather. Yeah, I don't, I don't have to gather. And, and that warning becomes one that just so tremendously speaks into this moment of time and calls us away from it. And he says, you, you're not made for that. You're made for gathering. 
You're made for connecting. And again, I love even the way he uses the words one another in this text, which is one of those fascinating phrases used throughout the Bible that speaks of the point of being together as God's people. Where he says, hey, you need to consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. And then he'll say at the end there, but exhorting one another. That's partly what this is supposed to be. That's partly what's supposed to be happening. That's partly what's supposed to be a part of that. And I long for that to be who we are. And I just want to invite you to it. Again, I just think about what he's telling us. He says, you know, some people are going to be doing that. He says, you know, some are going to be, you know, rejecting, forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the men of some. But he just tells us, hey, let us not do that. You know, let's us pursue that away from that. As for me, let's not do that. And I point out again, there's a power that we watch even in this final section that shows us some of that. But before I work through that list and then pull us to a close, I just want to say again, I want to encourage those who find themselves tempted to stream ongoingly that you would find yourself encouraged to be back in God's people. But I also want to say just coming to the building doesn't complete this. Being present in a church building doesn't mean you're gathering with God's people any more than streaming unless you do these things intentionally. What things? Well, you do these. You share together. You, you share life together. You, you're sharing what God is doing in you, and you're hearing what God is doing in others. You're praying for one another. You're, you're being a part of that. You're seeking to just know the presence of Christ in the midst of God's people. Yes, you're finding the scriptures open. You need that. But there's a sense of coming together as God's people to be built up so that we can be encouraged to go out and be representatives of him in the world, knowing that Jesus is praying for us in the midst of all that that is, that we're enjoying just the, the, the idea of even worshiping and being those who, who end in that. There's something happening in the midst of that that becomes so powerful. And I love that the Gospel of Luke ends this way and it gives it to you and I as an invitation. Like, hey, this is what we're supposed to be about. It's always needed. It was needed before COVID. It was needed in in that generation. It was needed when Hebrews was written. But if there's ever been a moment in history where in one sense we should become those who understand the value of gathering together as God's people, then it ought to be us. And may it be that if God gives us more space, which I don't know how much more space we have, but if he does, may we be a people that come back together as a church with abandon, with like, okay, COVID taught us we need each other. COVID taught us, hey, we need to be a part of each other's lives. We need to be encouraging each other, praying for one another, worshiping together with one another, being those who, who enjoy that and participate in the life of Christ together. It's so needed. And there's so much pulling us in the opposite direction. So today, I just call you towards it. So let's end with this. Let's end with a moment where I'm gonna lead us in prayer and, and just say, ask us God to work in the midst of it. I do wanna say this. It is possible that you've joined us in this space or online right now, and you're outside of any of this. Well, we do wanna take a moment and tell you, hey, we so long that you would be a part. Church is so much more than a building. It's so much more than a membership. It's so much more than, than so many things. There's a life-giving reality to being a part of the body of Christ, and we hope even in this sense you recognize you're outside of that. Not in the sense of being cruel, but inviting you in to be a part of the family of God 
inviting you to be a part of something that is, you know, what it is to be God's people. And if that's you this evening, we would love to talk to you more. We'd love to explain more of Jesus Christ and Him crucified and give us that opportunity. Reach out to us. We'd love to be a part of that. That said, I recognize for the most part here on a Wednesday night, those gathering here and online, most of us are believers. We know this. And maybe you're doing really well. Maybe you could have said what I tried to say tonight better. Probably so. Good, keep doing it. But maybe you recognize that you could feel the pull that's happening in our world, and it's pulling you. It's pulling you in the wrong direction. It's pulling you away from the value of God's people and gathering. Tonight, as we just think about what we see at the end of the Gospel of Luke, we see as Jesus instructs us, may it be that you and I go the opposite direction that we see where the world is pulling us and we say, I see what Jesus has is different. I want to move in that direction. I want to move towards that. And I don't know which of these it might be, but I just invite you, even now, I'm just going to lead you in prayer that that would be something that would both be compelling you and drawing you after all that he has. So let's ask him for it. Would you join me? Father, thank you for your good work. I think about the gathering together of God's people. I think about what it is to be the church. This is a beautiful thing. It's an eternal thing. God, I look at so much is happening in our world right now that directly comes against what we are, what you have. And with many, I find myself concerned, concerned for what this has done. And those who will fall directly into that category of what you said there in Hebrews, that some are going to forsake the gathering together of God's people. God, I recognize that's a serious warning. I recognize it's a true warning. It was true in that day. It is certainly true in this day. But God, I ask for this people that you would do a work that would go directly opposite that. Would you cause us to be a people that gather, that, that are the church of Jesus Christ together, both physically being present, but being a part of each other's lives, sharing together, encouraging each other, praying for one another, worshiping together, enjoying just your presence in our midst. God, longing for the gospel to go forward, longing that we would be those who encourage each other so that we leave longing that people would see the God that we love, God, would you make that so? Would you make us a gathering people? Would you turn what the enemy has intended for evil and turn it for good? That on this side of COVID, some will be more passionate about your presence than they were a year and a half ago. That they would value what we are supposed to be about more and be more serious about it, not less. God help. I ask for that. But then as we close, Lord, I think about that just final glimpse into your people that everywhere they went, whether it was in the temple or together, there was joy, there was worship, they were blessing you. God, may we be such a people because you are a God who is worthy of that. May we be those who recognize what we have and, and shine that into the world so that people would see that we have hope, we have life. 
God, where that's not present, would you pour that into us, that we would be a people of joy, a people of, of just walking with you, and that that would be known. Would you, would you help us to be that people, shining you and your heart to the world around us? We ask for that right now as we commit this to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.